Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Sunday, the first day of the bye week. It's 12 weeks uh, in waiting. USC finally gets their bye week, finishes the regular season, 10-2. and two. We're going to talk with Coach Harvey Hyde today about USC's 28-23 win over the Crosstown rival UCLA Bruins. And of course, this is the bye week. I'm a little under the weather. I think the, the players are a little under the weather after going through 12 straight weeks. None of them have ever done anything like that before. Most football players have never done anything like that before, but USC was forced to do that this year. They end up winning the Pac-12 South, and they will play either Washington State or Stanford in the Pac-12 championship game. So, But for now, they can take a rest, take a break, a little bit of a breather. We're going to talk about the team. You guys sent in a lot of questions about the win. Uh, not a lot of you are happy with the win, but... Uh, and there's some breaking news that we just have to talk about because Jim Mora was just fired after losing the USC. So we're going to talk about all that with the coach. Uh, if you have any questions for us, send them in podcast at uscfootball.com or you can call or text. The number is 424-254-9141. And let's welcome in the coach and kind of get his thoughts. Uh, you know, it was all ready for this big show with all the questions we got in coach and then over Twitter, you see, oh, UCLA fires Jim Mora. Wow. Okay, I didn't know that, right? Oh, I, I should have brought that up before we talked. <laughs> wow, I'll tell you, I didn't know that. So that is a uh, part of our conversation today. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he's going to be a wealthy man. He's going to get somewhere around $11.3 to $12 million. That's his buyout. But uh, So you can't really feel sorry for him, but I hate to see people lose their job. I just do. And uh, being a, a coach that's been through that, I know exactly the feeling for his family and players and the university itself. It's a difficult thing to do, but someone had to come up with that money, and uh, they obviously have. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens now with the UCLA football program. There's a lot of discussions on who might have replaced him, but I think we better stick to USC today because... They did have, as you said, a, a great season, going 10-2, and 8-1, and one, as far as the Pac-12 South champion. Uh, but there's a little a bit of uh, a cloud over it, let's say. Yeah. Uh, I didn't really see the emotion after the game, people running on the field, players jumping up and down. Only two guys carrying the Gatorade uh, can to pour on uh, to Clay Helton. It just seemed to be an unemotional type of evening in the Coliseum, even though there was eighty-two thousand people there. Yeah, I was down on the field afterwards, and you know it was I. It was pretty good down there. Uh, there was a lot of pictures being taken by USC and UCLA players together. Um, yeah, so it was less kind of like celebration, and there were some, there were some of it, but a lot of like camaraderie. That's what makes this rivalry so unique is that so many of these guys were on the same high school team. Um, it's just like you don't see this anywhere else, you know. So there was a lot of pictures being taken with, you know, Cardinal and Blue 
uh, jersey. So I thought that was kind of interesting. And the, the band always gets into it. They love to play Tusk. Um, and all the, the fans kind of stick around for that. A lot of the people that got field passes for the end of the game were down there. But like the fans were celebrating. I think the ones that were down on the field, the coaches seemed pretty happy. But yeah, it wasn't the uh, it wasn't this outpouring of emotion. It was kind of a sense of relief um, to win that game. And and you felt like UCLA played played pretty well. Both teams made a bunch of mistakes, uh, but UCLA played pretty well outside of that giving up that punt return for a touchdown. You could argue UCLA outplayed USC and still, you know, losing by five points, still Jim Mora gets fired even before the end of the season. So something weird's going on there. It just happened within the last hour, so we're not going to get into it too much. But um, rumors of they want to get Chip Kelly, all this kind of stuff. Uh, Lots of weird stuff, uh, you know, a fallout from the game last night, just hours later. Well, a lot of time that happens because uh, maybe some other – university has offered someone they want and if you put it off that you're going to lose that candidate uh, to another university so you feel as though you've got to make your move now so the timing of when you make a move like this is somewhat based upon your discussion with an agent on exactly we need to know now because we're about ready to make a move somewhere else so a lot of this is pressure putting on dan guerrero or the university at, at ucla uh, to find out exactly what their direction is going to be so we'll see what happens here with that that's another show as far as the discussion but uh again i want to congratulate usc when you go 10 and 2 that's a very difficult thing to happen you win four you lose one you win two you lose one you win four and now you sit and wait as far as who you're going to play and it could be somebody or it's going to be somebody that you played before who would you rather play so as you sit back and you look at it as Clay Helton and the coaching staff at USC, who would you rather play? But that's something we can talk about next Sunday when we know who they're going to play. Yeah, we'll do that. We'll do another show next week. I uh, wanted to thank our sponsor before we jump into all the questions you guys have sent in. Southern California tickets. Go to sctickets.com or give them a call at 1-800-888-7287. You want to go up to Santa Clara? You want to check out? the Pac-12 championship game, you can go to sctickets.com and they will help you out and get your tickets. You want to see the Red Hot Rams now that the Coliseum, that's the last time we've been in the Coliseum uh, for USC, the way in in its current configuration. It's going to be a construction zone basically next year. I took a picture of leaving the press box last night because that was the last time we were going to see it that way. But the Rams still got some games there, so you can go check those out. Uh, Hockey, any other stuff, you can go to sctickets.com and they will help you out. Well, Coach... um, so many, so many questions. So we'll just try to run through these. Um, you know, give them, give them good answers, but we'll keep moving through them because we got a bunch. Um, let's go to John and Brea first. He said another week, and we have the same questions about one back formations, two receivers in the same pattern, predictable play calling. It's obviously, it's obvious USC doesn't have any good offensive plays, just great playmakers. Thank goodness for that. My question is this the most poorly designed and coached offense you've ever seen at USC? Thanks and fight on, John and Brad. Not the kind of question, Coach, you would expect from the team that's, you know, the best record in the Pac-12 conference, but those are the, that's the kind of questions we're getting. Well, I think that's where most of the frustration is, uh, that uh, there has, everyone understands what the needs are as far as with the team, as far as improvements that need to be done. 
as far as the development of the offensive side of the football and the defensive side of the football, but you really don't see that improvement happening as far as, you know, holding the backside, quarterback carrying the football, a one-back offense, and and not utilizing uh, Sam Darnold or running at least jet behind it or counteraction behind it, and one or the other guy gets the football, your slot guy or your wing guy or the tailback, and then you play action pass or hitting the tight end more, utilizing your receivers, keeping your receivers separate uh, as far as the, so you spread the field, not running to the strength of defenses. Uh, there's a lot of things, and the same thing on the defensive side of the ball as far as broken coverages week after week after week. In fact, it gets embarrassing when you watch the secondary play at times because it looks like they're standing and watching and not understanding what's going on or who they have. So, And then they look at each other like, who did, who, what happened there? So, you know, this is the thing that you look at, the short yardage offense. Uh, did they really come up with a jumbo package? Are they really, do they have a plan? Uh, do they have a rhythm? Or is just Sam Darnold making plays? Uh, when they do run that type of defense, which they did last night, UCLA, they did not respect the receivers at USC as far as their speed. So they played them tight, and they took away the receivers outside, and they kept them close to the line of scrimmage where they could support on the run, and their game plan was to take away the run. And they did that, and I tweeted out, and Ryan, you get all my tweets, and I kept tweeting out all the time, roll Sam out, let him have an opportunity to throw the football, find the open receiver, throw the ball to the backs. I kept saying that, use the real route, the seam routes, and so on. And finally, in the third quarter, they utilized that, and they moved the football. So... Yeah, you sometimes wonder why it takes so long to do some things that you can see right away what people are doing to you. But again, you know, UCLA did stop itself, and USC did stop itself too. So it was a highly penalized game, and it was sort of a, if I want to say, a sloppy football game for being this being a cross-time rivalry game. Yeah, there was a lot of a lot of mistakes on both sides. You could say that. Um... Fernando in Anaheim wrote in, he said, after watching the UCLA game, I started to wonder if having two, and he's talking about T and Tyson, T T Martin and Tyson Helton, and maybe even three with head coach Clay Helton, offensive coordinators, is a little too much and really affects the play calling. Each coach may have their own philosophies, and if each coach calling is calling plays, depending on the down, they have no feel for the game. The offense can't get in a rhythm, and after 12 games, it seems... To me, they have no identity. I really believe there are too many chefs in the kitchen and it hurts the play calling and offensive flow. Thank you, Fernando and Anaheim. And just for um, just statistical sake, uh, if you want to look at the third down conversions, uh, USC was just two of 10 in that one and one of two on fourth down, where UCLA was 10 of 19 and one of one on fourth down. And I've said this a bunch of times too. I, I agree with what Fernando's saying. I think there's kind of a little bit of a too many chefs in the kitchen thing going on. What do you think, Coach? I agree, and I've heard this, and I don't know if you've heard this, and I don't know if it's happening. I understand what I've heard from people that I don't know, I mean, but this is what they say. They tell me that T. Martin makes the calls until they get into the red zone, and when they get into the red zone, then uh, uh, Ty uh, uh, Elton makes the calls, his brother. And, I, and that, that's something I quite don't understand, how that can be happening. Now, early in the year, if I remember correctly, they sat next to each other in the press box. I don't see him up there now. He might be down on the field. So maybe he is down on the field now to separate them so they don't talk between plays and confuse each other. 
and I know Clay has gotten more involved as far as I see him on the sideline now. When the team comes over on the sideline, he's the one always gathered around them and talking to them as far as giving them instructions. But again, you know, I, I see the same things happening, the delay of game. I mean, that's because we're not getting the play in on time. You can't have these delay of games. At the end of half, if you hadn't wasted a timeout, you could have called a timeout down there and got a field goal or possibly got another touchdown when the when the ball ended up on the 10-yard line or wherever it was. So a lot of these delay of games on, on things that are happening, you know, that that gives you questions whether you're getting to play in or if there is communication problems on what play is going to be called. Yeah, I uh, agree there. Um... Keep it on the same theme. Tark wants to know, why doesn't USC use up-tempo like UCLA did? It would help getting athletes in space. USC does that sometimes. It's just not a lot, I think. No, they do it sometimes. Uh, they really did. UCLA did hit USC last night with the up-tempo, the hurry-up offense. Uh, USC wasn't getting lined up properly, and sometimes they they didn't get their calls in, and, and they had busted plays and, and, and so on and broken coverages. Uh, when when they see that, you've got to be prepared for that, and you've got to be ready to have a standard call that you're going to do. And if you have enough time to make your adjustments, the secondary adjustments, you do that. But you've got to be able to adjust to the formation so they don't outflank you or uh, have too many receivers one way or you're weak. That one run that they did uh, when they put the three receivers at the short side and they ran the ball back to the uh, short side or the wide side of the field, that uh, USC wasn't even lined up properly. I mean, uh, these are the type of things you get out of a hurry-up offense. People are confused. They don't, they're not communicating as far as where they should line up. But again, uh, USC made some big plays, a couple of sacks, uh, four sacks, a couple of tips, I mean, to, to turn the game around when it was necessary. And then UCLA, of course, did some things that were, you know, that penalized them on a touchdown play with a lineman downfield and a holding play with a big play. A lot of drop passes. So, you know, you can go back and forth and, and find flaws in everything. Yeah, there's a, this was not a game that would be hard to find flaws in on either side. Um, Tark had one more question. While USC did get a touchdown on a Sam Darnold run, why didn't USC run more quarterback keeps when the Bruins were crashing down on Ronald Jones uh, the second, and if you want to, just just for perspective, so UCLA was giving up over 300 yards rushing per game, which was going to be the worst in the NCAA in the last 15 years. Um, USC ended up with 153 yards, net yards rushing. So basically about, USC got about half of what UCLA typically gives up uh, on the ground. Well, that, you're exactly right, and uh, that's because you can always key on the one back at USC. I mean, there's nothing else to kill him. When they start to run action, it's either going to be given off to Ronald Jones, uh, he's going to make a gallant play and make it happen, or it ain't going to happen. There's any counter action, and uh, every time that Ronda, or how, how many times have I talked about Sam Donald holding the football? Last week, he, he scored a touchdown and a keep. This week, he scored a touchdown and a keep, and he did it one time. He ran once at his own and almost got in the end zone at the end of the half. I mean, if you're going to run a one-back offense, it requires you to run the quarterback because that's your second running back, and you stretch the defense. And if you're not going to stretch the defense, then you've got to have some type of counteraction or scissor action or two-back type of op- option 
action to make your offense functional and balanced and then run your play-action pass off of it. But they've never done that the entire year, and they don't want to run Sam Darnold. I understand that because of the injury factor. Then don't run that set or don't run that series. Run something else. But these are the things we don't see the improvement on that bothers all of us because you know it's there. You can see it's there. It's just you're not doing it. So they all key on Ronald Jones. I do the same thing. Yeah. It was funny. Like, Nico Fala after the game felt like the UCLA defense did something different than they've seen all year on film. Ronald Jones didn't feel like it was any different, but he was obviously frustrated. He didn't get to pass uh, O.J. Simpson for the all-time you know rushing leader list, uh, you know, move up one more spot. So I, it was kind of confusing. This is a UCLA defense that's been historically bad, and for whatever reason, USC couldn't take advantage. Um, here's a voicemail question for you, Coach. Hi, uh, my name is James out of Monterey Park, first-time caller. I'm calling because last night, you know, I was happy to hear, I'm happy to see USC win, you know, beat UCLA. It's always great. But to be honest with you, it's still so sad because the realization that this I think coaching staff, as it currently exists, can't get the job done. Um, not seeing how it needs to go. Just, you know, I think it shows that this, this throughout the year, the uh, team has not progressed as they should. And I think a lot of them are seen by, by pure, just raw talent, especially Darnold. I mean, it's easy, you know, it shows out there. Um, I just want to say that. Thanks a lot. Right on. Well, thank you very much. Uh, you know, there's always room for improvement, no matter who you are. If you listen to Nick Saban after a football game, he might win a big football game, and he's not even happy because there's things you need to improve on and get better every week. And uh, I think sometimes at USC, you don't hear that same type of interview in your post-game interviews as far as, you know, we didn't play well or, uh, you know, uh, or you know we stunk it up or the things that are, sometimes necessary to wake your coaches up and your players up. Winning is very important, and you've got to look at, you know, how you find yourself becoming better. And sometimes uh, if you have breakdowns in the secondary, somehow they're being justified, where you can't justify those type of mistakes. And uh, I think last night if you watched the television, I watched uh, it twice, the replay of the television broadcast, you heard Kurt Kurt, uh, Herbstreet say, I think Sam Donald should stay at USC another year because he hasn't progressed as far as in his reads and and becoming a pro-pocket type of quarterback. And you look at that and you say, how can that be? Well, if you watch the football game, uh, UCLA had a plan. Rosen looked very good at what he did as far as throwing the football, as far as spreading the field, the routes they ran. Well, you've got to have that same type of opportunity for Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold just makes plays happen, and and then we really don't see a rhythm as far as on the USC side of the football offensively. And I think you've got to evaluate. I used to evaluate every year my staff as far as what area got better, what area got worse, what area didn't perform up to the level. And I think right now, uh, when you look at it, you can evaluate it as well as I can in the areas that really broke down. Now, is it players? Lack of players? Is it lack of coaching? Why are we having that difficulty in these areas? And and it's up to the head football coach to make these determinations and make the necessary changes to get better if you think 
you have to make changes. But again, uh, you know, I've said all along, and this is nothing against Biggie Marshall, I've said it since he played last year that I don't think he's having fun playing where he's playing at the corner position. I think he should gain 15 or 20 pounds and be an outside linebacker. But he just doesn't feel comfortable out there. Jack Jones, they went after him last night. Man, I, I don't mind seeing him. Uh, he gives 100%. He'll hit you. And don't get me wrong, they hit UCLA last night on defense. But if it isn't getting beat, it's, it's not lining up right and broken coverages. You can't have this. You can't have this type of play over and over and over. And the week before, two receivers from Colorado run down the middle of the field and catch touchdown passes. So you got to evaluate your coaches, and you got to evaluate the talent that you're recruiting, and you say, wow, we have 12 DBs or whatever we have on scholarship. We can't find one. Now you watch around the country, and you see true freshmen playing everywhere. So uh, I'm just saying you got to evaluate everything, and that's not my responsibility. I'm just telling you what I would be thinking I would be doing. That's, of course, the head coach's responsibility. Yeah, there'll be a lot of questions about Clay Helton. And, uh, I, I mean, I think the, the voicemail is kind of harsh where he just, like, you want to get rid of Clay Helton, who's – he won the Pac-12, I mean, South, and had no. a good chance. <laughs> it's like, come on. No. Get rid no. of Mora is one thing. Getting rid of Helton is another. Um, no. But I think I think you're right. I think they have to make some. There needs to be some turnover on the staff. There needs to be some changes made uh, to make things better. I think the fans would feel a bit better about it if that happened, and we'll see. I think that's a big test uh, that will you know that'll be put on Clay Helton in this off season. Um, yeah, we- what we do is one of these shows. Uh, we'll sit down and spend some time, maybe between the Bulls period and so on, where uh, I'll evaluate the areas that I think that. Uh, are not playing up to par, and maybe the ones that are playing above their ability with non-talent. And I think the ones where, I'll tell you where I think talent is being wasted. And I hate to do that to a program, but this is what this podcast is for. And again, it's only my opinion. It's only my opinion. But I sometimes wonder what's happening to all these five stars. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, You and the fans and everyone else. Uh, Now we get, so... Luckily, we do have some positive questions, too. They're not all negative. We have George. Good. I hope so. George and Oxnard texted in. He said, hey, Coach Hyde, once again, USC does not cover the spread and does not win the way we all thought they would. It gets better. Don't worry. Uh, but at the end of the day, they won. Uh, they're now 19-2 and in their last 21, and Coach Helton remains undefeated in, at home. I think uh, Clay Helton's 16-0 in the Coliseum, I believe. Things are not perfect, but looking at the big picture – it's a time that we all give Coach Clay Helton and his staff more credit and praise for this run of success than we have been. Thank you, Coach, and fight on, George and Oxnard. I agree. I think that when you win that type of uh, many games, that you should get credit for it. But again, now USC is one of the elite programs in America, and uh, the athlete department and the university calls upon the alumni and fans to always support the university. Don't forget to send your checks in. Don't forget to buy suites that cost $5 million. Don't forget that we're going to move you around the Coliseum and increase your prices of your tickets and do all these different things. But then you've got to give them a product that people are worth and want to pay for. And you've got to give them an opportunity to have their games broadcasted. Uh, and at game times when they enjoy going to football games, not getting home at 2 in the morning or whatever time they get out of their parking area, and you've got to be able to give them a product where people can go and party and have fun. 
I saw a lot of change in the Trojan football fun party when they eliminated uh, beer going in and drinks into the uh, Coliseum, which that is part of what you do. But I thought uh, USC is the type of university that enjoys it. It's a social event, and you go there to see someone. It's almost like the old gladiator days, okay, where you go there and you want to see your team really perform. So if you're willing to ask for things, you got to give things. And uh, right now, people are leaving uh, because they're not excited and they're not able to go into their country club or their coffee shop or their work day the next day without giving, oh, we had a lot of injuries. Or, yeah, I know, but they want to go in there and wear their colors everywhere. And right now, it's been a 10-2 season without a lot of satisfaction. Yet there is a 10-2 season, and and the, it's there. It's just got to be cleaned up a little bit, as the term is used at USC. And uh, it's got to be evaluated. And, and, and I have no doubt in my mind that Lynn Swan and Clay Helton will sit down and discuss all of this. And Lynn's got a football mind, and, and Clay does too. And they'll sit down and say, okay, I'm really happy with what's happening. But I'll tell you one thing I'm looking forward to see, if Clay Helton gets an extension. Last year he didn't get an extension. None of the assistant coaches got an extension. And here's a 10-2 season going to a big bowl game after they uh, hope to win the conference championship game. And we'll see what happens. That will be a real indication on what's going on. You're exactly right, Coach. Um, Because I think a lot of the rumors we're hearing is that Lynn Swan has kind of the opinion of a lot of the fans do. It's like he wants to see more – consistent play more dominant wins because you see the potential a couple times a year but you're not seeing it each and every week so a lot is going to be going on and obviously a lot depends on if usc wins the conference championship game or not i think if usc goes 11 and 2 wins the conference you know would have they'll be in the top seven or eight most likely top six uh you go to the fiesta bowl or something and and if you can beat a good team there, I think I think the people that are still complaining, you have to kind of back off a little bit. Like, look, dude, okay, whatever. Yeah, they they got creamed by Notre Dame. They didn't look great every week, but you win the conference and you like win the Fiesta Bowl. I think the the bitching should probably stop at that point, or at least slow down a little bit. Man, um, okay, here's a we one of our frequent callers has a, a beef with a couple of the players. Coach, uh, get your thoughts on this one. Here you go. Hello, Ryan. Coach, I Don Archie here. Any one of you two can respond to my comment I'm about to make. The score of the game was a lot closer than it should have been due primarily to the play of two USC players, Jack Jones and Chuma Doga. Jack Jones, I've watched and heard you bragging about winning the Heisman Trophy upon your arrival at USC. I see you talking trash in several games only to hurt the team with penalties. I see you getting beat deep over and over by the opposing team's receivers. Young man, your play this year has not impressed me at all. You need to shut your mouth and play football. Chuma, I don't know how many drives you have killed by committing stupid personal fouls, false starts, and holding. Yes, you were guilty of all this tonight. You need to wake up and play smarter. Well, Donald, uh, 
Uh, yes, I agree with you. I think Chuma, you can count on him getting 30 yards a game in penalties, either in false starts or or a personal foul or, or something. And uh, I don't know why uh, he was a young man. Well, he got a lot of holding penalties, too, on pass blocking. And they yanked him out of the game and went with Jackson at the right tackle and threw his helmet, did all of that. That's just lack of discipline. I'd tell him, you don't want this helmet? I'd take his helmet from him and tell him, you can go back in without it on if we play you again. I think there needs to be some discipline on that type of stuff because when you get a penalty like that and and a, and a taunting penalty, you're not just hurting your foot. You're hurting everybody. You're hurting the entire football team. You're hurting a big play you just made by taunting or spinning the football or looking at somebody in the face and giving him all of that stuff. I agree with you. Just play football, okay? People will figure out you're a pretty good football player. Uh, and uh, I, I agree. I don't like that stuff. Uh, two teams last night were penalized over 100 yards. Both teams both had the same type of problems. I think it makes uh, you look Bush League. I really do. You look Bush League. And, you know, I hate to comment on different things like this, but when you look at the penalties, you look at other things. I don't know where now the secondary and the receivers have come up with these red socks with little white socks. I don't know where that fits the uniform dress code of USC, but I watch everything in a football game. I would have had them go back in and change and say, this is what our uniform dress code is. Same with our coaching staff and everything else so I can know who's on our staff and who's on our team. But it's all a part of little things that make big differences. And, uh, Don, you you were an athlete. You played on a lot of CIF championship teams and college teams, and you understand what you could get away with and what you couldn't. And I think it really bothers you when you see kids getting away with things and really still playing or not being disciplined for it, or when they come off the field, you try to calm them down and, instead of handling it a different way. Um, Coach, it's funny. I just uh, read a – I got a tweet from uh, Keely, Keely Orr. You can follow her on Twitter. Keely is my name. Um, I just wanted to comment this before we move on to the next question. That's three consecutive UCLA head coaches who have been fired within 48 hours of losing to USC. So how crazy is that? And then Bob wow. Toledo was fired too after losing to UCLA, but it, he was he they waited till the end of the season. After well, they lost to Washington State. Yeah. Yeah, but he had another game, I think. Yeah, they had the Washington State after game. That, so, yeah. They had another game after that and the way they fired him, I'll never go along with that one either. I remember they fired him and wouldn't even let him go in his office. They packed up his own office stuff and shipped it to him, and it didn't even allow him to go to his own football banquet. I mean, that's really classy, isn't it? Wow. Um, here's another voicemail question for you. Uh, not as much um, <laughs> venom as, as, our, as our buddy, but here's another one. Hi, this is Richard from Toluca Lake. Just a couple of comments. Number one, uh, all the years I've been watching USC UCLA games, this is probably the worst play calling I have ever seen in a game. Number two, or secondary, please. Two touchdowns with nobody basically on the UCLA guys <coughs> at all. Number three, Jack Jones, Eamon Marshall. I don't know. Get them out of the games. They can't do it. Uh, <coughs> Jones has been burned the entire year. 
And number four, Jim Mora, turn out the lights. The party is over. Thank you and fight on. Which is pretty funny, his last point, because this was sent before the news happened that he was fired. <laughs> no, you know, that really surprises me. It really does, because I spend a lot of time at different functions, and the word was he wasn't going to be fired because of the amount of money that they had to come up with. And somebody, obviously, and I could give a name, but I'm not going to give the name, came up with it uh, to have this happen. So uh, it's surprising. I don't know. He'll probably not coach the last game. I don't know who they'll make as the interim head coach. They uh, announced Jed Fish, the offensive coordinator. Oh, they have? Okay. Yeah. And they, they mentioned, like, for the coaching search would begin immediately, and they mentioned, like, Wasserman and uh, Troy Aikman were going to be part of that. I forget. There, I think there was somebody else, too. But, um, yeah, Dan Groh hasn't had the best track record, I guess, hiring head football coaches, so a lot of UCLA people would – would rather have some sort of search committee. But the fact that Washerman, I think it's Casey Washerman that's involved and Troy Aikman, that's interesting. Yeah, it is. Well, Casey Washerman is their largest donor and has the type of money to do it. He could have done it by himself. I'm surprised Troy Aikman got involved in that. Uh, well, they're in the being, search. They didn't They didn't say they were involved in the buyout. They just said they were involved okay, in the search. Okay, in the search, as far as yeah. the search committee. And you know, you know what sometimes gets me when you're an athletic director, you don't know. Who's the coach out there that best fits your program? Really, it's more or less saying, hey, let somebody else select them so I can blame them. (laughs) I mean, you know, normally if you're an athletic director, you know what best fits your program and what you're looking for. And now when they search for head football coaches, they hire companies to go out and bring bring us names. Well, what is your responsibility as the athletic director? Shouldn't you know the names or the people that fit your program or who best uh, runs what offense with your athletes and what pleases your crowds? I mean, uh, wow. I'm, I'm telling you, you get 2 $3 million a year, whatever these athletic directors meet, uh, make, and then you got to have the help. Yeah. Uh, that sort of surprises the hell out of me. No, I, I don't get. I talked about that the solo podcast too. I don't get the the whole coach, the, like uh, coaching search firms and all that kind of stuff. It's like if you're a mailman, you don't hire someone else to deliver the mail. You deliver the mail because that's what you do. Like if you're an athletic director, you got to hire coaches. Like that's what you're supposed to do. Um, let's move on. We got. Uh, let's see. We got uh, Maybet uh, from Ontario. He said, during pregame warm-ups yesterday, number 17 from UCLA was kicking field goals from different distances on the USC side. I found it odd because there was lots of room on the UCLA side. Do players normally warm up on the side of the other team? Thanks for the outstanding work you do. As always, fight on. Uh, that's Maybet. And I, I would, we were, Dan and Weber and I were commenting on this, Coach. I don't know if you got to see it, but, um, you know, when some of the USC guys are warming up, the UCLA guy was kicking, you know, a couple of UCLA players were kicking on the USC side. It just seemed kind of classless, I guess. I don't know. I'm not exactly sure. I don't, you don't normally see that, but you did in this game. So that was kind was of strange. It, was it during early outs before the team was out there? Yeah, like before the full team. Like there were a bunch of the players out there doing stuff, but not like the full team, like in uniforms, warming up yet. Yeah, well, sometimes uh, you allow that and sometimes you don't. If your guy has the same opportunity of going down to their end and doing it, sometimes you allow that. But you don't want balls going through your drills where somebody will step on a ball or hit a player or whatever. But normally you don't do that or you don't allow that unless you're out there really early 
one of the only people out there just to kickers, holders, and snappers. Uh, otherwise, no, you don't have them kick it to your drills. You just don't have that happen. Yeah, that's, this was definitely later in the, uh, I mean, earlier in the process, but not not that early where it was like there was just only a couple of people out there. So we got Nick in Cyprus. He said, what is your overall grade for USC's regular season? From the board, so he was talking about the peristyle, uh, you would think we had UCLA season, but we won 10 games. Pac-12 South champs and mostly, uh, most likely a favorite in the Pac-12 title game. Fight on. Nick from Cyprus. That's interesting. Well, how would you grade the regular season, Coach? Well, you know, you had moments when you had A games or A series, and you had moments when you had F series. Nothing was really consistent. Uh, so you'd have to grade it. Uh, you know, it's hard to grade a season when you're 10-2. and two. And, uh, you know, but it's a, it's a, it's, I think it's a type of, of season – well, you passed the final exam. You weren't doing too good during the test, but you found a way to pass the final exam to get the win. And I think this is the type of season it was. Now, at Notre Dame, you failed the final exam. You failed uh, all your tests during the, 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 the game, too. At Washington State, you uh, came up short on your final exam. You didn't make it. You didn't pass the course. I think it was one of those where Every single game was close. And when you look at the season, I don't know if they beat a team that is a ranked team. Now, they beat Stanford. They didn't play Washington. Uh, Texas isn't a ranked team. Western Michigan isn't a ranked team. Probably the highest ranked team. Who did they beat that was a ranked team? I really don't know. I know that. Uh, for the the playoff, so for the playoff rankings, it was only Stanford. So Stanford's the only top twenty five team that USC had beaten according to the playoff rankings. Now, well, like Arizona could have been ranked, but they end up losing to Oregon, so they won't be ranked. Um, so really, the only ranked team USC beat all year was uh, Stanford. Stanford. So when you look at the season, you go ten and two, and you're happy. But I thought it's, I think I explained it the best. If you want a letter grade on it. Uh, the ones that you uh, passed the final on, which means in the fourth quarter you found a way to win, then uh, you passed. But uh, you passed the course, but you didn't pass two courses, and you didn't you didn't do well, score well during all the the class. But you found a way to pass the class. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's see. We got Glenn. He said, "Hey, hello, hello, Ryan and Coach Hyde." The SCDBs look like they could use some help on third and long. With Jack Jones and company struggling with one-on-one coverage, don't you think it would help the defensive backfield if SC inserted a nickel DB and pulled out Cam Smith to give additional help in pass coverage? Uh, actually, I'll already do that. Uh, Jenny Harris is a nickel DB. Um, I love Cam as a run stopper, but they need help on the backside on third and long as it kills me to watch teams have success on third and long plays. It seems like we're winning this year on talent and not enough scheming by the coaches. We need coaching uh, to step up their game, too. So that's Glenn. I, I think they did a little bit of dime coverage, Coach, but it's mostly nickel. Nickel's kind of their base defense, so they do have just two linebackers in there, and then, um, you know, Jandy Harris is like that nickel back. You're exactly right. That's what they do most of the time. And, you know, my feeling is when they play, I hope they get to the quarterback, tip the ball, sack him or force him to throw in a hurry or get him out of the pocket and make him run around because I don't have the faith 
if you don't get to him, that he isn't going to have an open receiver. Yeah. So every time the ball is snapped, I say, you better get him. Go after him. <laughs> Go after him because I'm telling you, I don't have the faith that he's going to be covered at the time of the ball to the receiver. So that that is my main concern. I agree 100% with that. It doesn't look like it's matched up properly as far as the front seven and the secondary, as far as the coverages and the and what's going on. You're in a loose man uh, when you're when you're going after him. So there's a lot of underneath help or a lot of underneath open space for the quarterback to find the receivers. You don't have the confidence to play bump man. I never see him playing hardly any bump man. When you're going after people challenging the receivers, but you're going to get beat or get a pass interference penalty or a holding penalty. So I agree. I think you got to coach up the back end uh, much better because the continued breakage and coverage and and that stuff, man, you just can't let that happen. And uh, it's happening over and over and over. So I think the strength of the defense is, and I think Clay – not Clay Helton, but I think Pendergrass is saying, hey, if I don't get to him, I don't know what's going to happen. So he's doing every single thing he can, and I think that's why he leads the nation in sacks or close to leading the nation in sacks and tips is because he has that feeling. He doesn't have the confidence in his back end. But uh, like I said earlier, I don't know if it's coaching or it's the athletic ability, but they sure don't look like either one. Yeah, They look like, you know, like it's a complete uh, mess. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the G wrote in and said, I'd like coaches, Coach Hyde's assessment on the, he called it the ruin game. He must have left out a B, Coach. He called it the ruin game, not the Bruin game. Oh, he and, did that up for <laughs> I know. And, and how this team manages to make other otherwise pedestrian teams look so good. And said, finally, we have to wait and see who our boys play in the championship game, but most importantly, which Trojan team shows up to play in that game. I guess we've been kind of talking about that the whole time. I don't know if you have any other thoughts, Coach. But Well, no, it's just that, uh, you know, I'm really concerned uh, with the bye week. Um, no one's asked that question. So if you don't mind, I'll just sort of speak on that for a moment. Sure, yeah, go ahead. Uh, and tell me if I'm wrong here. In the press release I saw, the team will not be required to come back uh, until – uh, Tuesday, and they will go through light drills. I don't even know if the media is invited. Light drills on Tuesday and Wednesday, which means sh- shirts and helmets maybe. Maybe not even any helmets. I don't know. Then they're off Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and they come back Monday while the team they're going to play is practicing probably today since they play on Friday night. Now, uh, the cha- uh, they play, no, they play, yeah, they play their games, they play Saturday, okay, so they have a short week as far as coming uh, to the championship game, which is played on Friday. Now, I'm concerned with too much time off. It isn't like you're playing such great football that you need to give guys off. Now, the rest is important. Yeah, I'm not saying you don't rest your team. But you can't lose your timing with the passing game. You can't lose your defensive pursuit and settling up and making tackles. There's so much to work on as far as the things we've talked about today and the coverages and different things that are necessary 
to get ready for a championship game. This is like a bowl game, and I don't want this to be something like the Holiday Bowl, where they use seven days of 20 days and went down and stunk it up in the Holiday Bowl against Wisconsin. Uh, and I know they're tired. We're all tired. But you got to somehow keep your timing. If you run the plays up and down the field for conditioning, a running play, a passing play, a running play, a passing play, a defense interception, running back for a touchdown, timing, do different things, hit the sleds, work on techniques. You can't lose your edge. And to me, that's a lot of time off during this period of time. Yeah, that's my uh, that's my understanding, Coach. Um, I know that we don't have any media availability this next coming week. So for us in the media, it's basically a buy because we don't have anything going on. Um, it's a week off. Now, maybe they're going to work out more than what they've kind of said. Uh, but that's the my kind of understanding is it's essentially going to be a week off and then they'll have a regular practice week, um, you know, leading up to it, just starting it a day early. So they'll probably have on Sunday, like normally Monday, they'll have like a kind of a light practice. That's what they'll probably do on Sunday. And then like Monday will be an open practice, like a regular Tuesday practice. Um, that's more of a full practice. Now maybe they go full pads cause they haven't been full pads, uh, since, you know, like middle of October on Tuesdays on their Monday day. I'm not sure, but, I, I, I see the concern there. They they really took off too much time, I felt, with the Holiday Bowl. And uh, will they do that here? It's, it's hard to say. But I think this team, at least in the, the way the coaches made decisions all year, Coach, it felt like they were worried about not having a bye week. So this bye week came. I think they're just going to give guys time off. That's my assessment at this point. Well, it has to be because that's what they decided to do. But uh, there's some things that I think they need to be straightened away and worked on in order to, uh, to continue and win a championship game as far as for the Pac-12 championship and then obviously move on. It wasn't like there was a perfect game. There was a lot of things here that need to be worked on, such as think about a two-back offense when when linebackers, every time you run at the line, the linebacker fires through and nobody picks you up, okay? Uh, that, that stuff's got to be addressed. And, uh well, you know, I'm not coaching this team. I'm just talking about I think that you've got to remain a family, be close together, understand what it's all about. You work all year round to get to this opportunity. Sure, it's nice to go see your family. I think you should on Friday or Wednesdays and Thursdays. They'd be back uh, at least by uh, Friday afternoon and have a Friday-Saturday practice and get yourself ready to go and start watching films and get yourself back into what you call a football focus. And uh, that's just my opinion. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. We got a couple more. We'll let you go, Coach TJ Redondo. Where that's where we're recording right now. TJ and Redondo he said, "Hey Ryan, TJ and Redondo, thanks for all the great coverage of the program you do for us fans. My question is for you or Coach Hyde. It's been pretty obvious this year that the team just does not play to its potential very often, which is a shame because there is talent on this roster. For some reason, I feel the coaching staff does a poor job." Developing our players and preparing the team to exploit weaknesses the opposing teams have. Do you believe Coach Helton needs to make some staff changes at the end of the year? Other than the running backs and defensive line, I don't see uh, the other positions on the team developing under this current staff. The team constantly underperforms. It's not just being coached and developed properly. Thanks and fight on TJ. And we, we kind of talked about this already, Coach, but maybe if you want to focus on the player development part, because we didn't really focus on that. Well, you know, you 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 strive to get better every week, and uh, 
I don't know. Uh, there's there's series where they look really good, and there's series where they look really bad. And there's sometimes it it's uh, a mysterious uh, wondering why why they're in consistency. Yeah, uh, I don't think that the team has developed uh, during this season. I think they're playing at more or less uh, the same level. I really believe that. Uh, uh, the the offensive side and the defensive side is still doing the basic same things they did before and doing it about the same level. There's the same mistakes, the schemes as far as breakdowns on both sides of the football, which happens in football. That's why you don't score at every play and uh, you don't you don't stop them every single play. But uh, the techniques, I think Sam Darnold. I don't know if he's progressed and gotten better as a quarterback or allowed to do that. Uh, I've always said he predetermines who he's throwing the ball to. He's the best when he's running and, and, and making plays happen, but then he is looking for the entire field to find the open receiver, and and it happens. And uh, I, took, I think it took them too long to decide who the receivers were and to get them into the game. I don't know if they've taught them really yet how separation makes a difference in utilizing the tight end and also uh, – uh, taking advantage of the coverages and what you need to do, and the same with the the running game. And on the defensive side, I think there's a lot of things there that if there weren't some great individual efforts, Wausu and the tips that he did and the sacks they made, I don't know really but what would have happened, but they made those plays. That's what counts. They made those plays which uh, allowed the Trojans to win. So you've got to expect that, you know, don't make it so difficult on yourself. And I think that's what the Trojans have done this year. They've made it so difficult on themselves to hang on to win these games. It's really been, I mean, you go home and you really don't feel excited about, you know, how well you did and how you got the win. You want to enjoy your wins, and you are, but you really want to enjoy them more where you're not thinking about, what you did wrong rather than how great you played. Let's do, uh, we'll do one last one. This is from Keith in New Jersey. He said, I have a theory dating back to the Rose Bowl last season. As I sat there last night watching a team collect- collectively that we all sense has not progressed much since the Stanford game, I couldn't help but wonder, had the field goal missed and USC lost to Penn State that day, so he's talking about the Rose Bowl, Perhaps the preseason hype and national expectations would not have grown like they did. Perhaps a loss that day would have put this season in a lower level of expectation, and we'd be happier now being 10-2 and two, headed to the Pac-12 title game. Just a thought. Please let me know what you think. One last note. I'm all for honest analysis and constructive, con- 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 excuse me, constructive criticism. No one does it better than you guys, but Scott Wolf needs to turn it down a notch and get over himself. Fight on, Keith in New Jersey. And uh, I'll, let me real comment real quick, Coach. Um, when I was talking about that, I don't think this. T- I, I did a whole podcast basically about why I didn't feel this was a a team that should try to make the playoff. That you shouldn't really worry about. It. Just I think winning the Pac-12 would be great. Winning the Fiesta Bowl is great, and that's probably what the ceiling of this season should be. Some people agree with me. You know, a lot of people agree with me. Some people did not. But I don't like it when people say it would be better off to lose the Rose Bowl. I think winning the Rose Bowl was the best thing that's happened to this program in years. So who cares if it made expectations higher? I don't think you'd ever want to take away winning the Rose Bowl. I think that's the best thing that could happen to USC in a long, long time. Uh, 
I agree with you. I know what this guy, where he's coming from, because the expectations for this year were so high that unless you reached some of those expectations, it wasn't a successful year because of the way they won the Rose Bowl and Sam Darnold and the performance and all of that. I understand all of that, but no, never take away a Rose Bowl victory. But you got to be able to be a big enough team to be able to come back and be that team that finished the Rose Bowl game. And I don't know if really in the second half, especially the third quarter, if this team performed up to its ability. In the fourth quarter, they basically hung on to win almost every game. I mean, uh, Colorado, this game, the UCLA game, Utah game, all of them, uh, they hung on. Texas game, uh, it was a uh, Western Michigan game. Uh, there wasn't really what you consider a domination type of football game except for Stanford. I was so excited with the Stanford game, 42-24. I can't even read the score. I, I remember the score. I think that's what it was because of the way they played in that football game. Basically, they Love got one run. I think it was a 76-yard touchdown run. Otherwise, they shut him down. So we expected that type of play, and it didn't materialize. So when it didn't materialize, then I think we all started questioning uh, the Trojans. And I think that's what happened the rest of the way. And I, and I can't give you a reason except for me telling you that I saw the same things I talk about week after week, not improvement, no changes in certain schemes or rhythms or adjustments in short yardage offense, just that all the different things that you would think would happen would made it harder on yourself, harder instead of easier. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. I mean, but I, I think if you look back, someone tweeted me this too. Um, there was expectations in 2011 after that because USC went 10-2. and two, Now, couldn't go a bowl game, so there wasn't like a disappointing loss in the Rose Bowl. But just that's the kind of thing. If USC looks pretty good, and they did, and if there was even a close loss to Penn State, I think the expectations would still be very high because you're like, wow, look, what would this team do with, you know, a second year under this coaching staff. It's going to be better and all that stuff. And in 2012, USC fell on its face, went 7-6. and six. I think USC fans are acting like they fell on their face and finished 7-6 and six instead of really finishing 10-2. and two. And if you win the Pac-12 championship game, I just think that that's the goal. And you do that, you go to a New Year 6 game, um, it's great. You know, yes, could this team have made the playoffs – Without screwing, yeah, they could have. They, I mean, it was talented enough to make the playoff with the schedule, especially the way the Pac 12 has been. Um, but I don't think they would fare all that well in the playoff this year, the way they're playing. So I just think it's better. You talk about a program progressing, it'd be better for this team to beat somebody in the Fiesta Bowl. You got back to back, you know, big bowl game wins, uh, Rose Bowl one year, Fiesta Bowl the next year, win the Pac 12, you've progressed. And then it's, you know, and if, especially if like a Sam Darnold comes back, you tell us, you know, Lynn Swan knows this should be a playoff team. And if they still look crappy and they're still losing games they shouldn't lose and not putting away teams, I, I think there's some real concerns there. But um, I don't know. Just, it just seems like, I, look, I'm as critical of anybody of a lot of the decision on the coaching staff, but I also try to be a realistic person, look ahead and go, if they win the Pac-12 and they win like the Fiesta Bowl, I'm just, I'm just not going to be one that's like complaining all the time. No, I agree with you. But do you go into the championship game with the confidence that they're going to win that game? Yeah, I kind of, I 
I kind of feel they are. Like I just feel like it's a like they're going to beat whoever it is. Like Stanford might be tougher, but I think Washington State they'll beat. Like I just feel they're going to beat them. But uh, we'll see. I mean, who knows? You know. Well, you're a true Trojan. We'll see what Las Vegas says. You know, Las Vegas will say, you watch, Las Vegas will make them a seven-point favorite, okay? But, because they believe in the Trojans. Yeah, they're, they're, I think USC will be favored over either of those teams. So, I mean, it's like they, they should win the game. Now, will they? Will they cover the spread? Maybe they win by three. Do they, like, you know, blow a lead and then, like, get it back in the fourth quarter? I, I think the one thing you have to give this team credit for, and some people will say it's not the coaches, it's, it's just Sam Darnold. But we've seen talented USC teams in the past that when things go, you know, when their backs are against the wall late in the game or you blow a lead or things just aren't going on schedule, they fold late. Now, this team seems to wait till the, the backs are against the wall, till they have to make a play, and they do. I think I'd much rather be that, the team that you pull it out in the end when you need to. Most of the time, the only time they didn't really was Washington State. Um, I, I kind of like that. I mean, that's just that's a nice attribute. Now, the 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 Clay Helton critics will say, Coach, that's not anything to do with the coaches. That's all Sam Darnold. Once he leaves, that's going to go away too. And if that does, then okay, you're right. You know, but that's at least this team has been able to do that when their backs are against the wall late in games. I agree with you. They've been able to hold on. It. They've been able to do what they need to do. It's just a, a bleeding ulcer that we're all getting from it because. <laughs> You, you want to see them do so well. So, Ryan, again, uh, I want to just say this before we say goodbye to everyone. I want to wish everybody a happy Thanksgiving out there. Be safe uh, and be with your family members. Make that call to somebody out there that maybe needs a call because they're not, they don't have someone out there that they're eating with, they're visiting with, or someone that they don't have that loves them. So make sure you take care of that. And, Ryan, I want to wish you and your staff and your wife, of course, a happy Thanksgiving and uh, we'll be back next week. Sounds good, Coach. Wish you and yours a very happy Thanksgiving. And uh, don't know what we're going to do. We'll try to squeeze in a few podcasts early in the week, but we'll we won't. You know, Thanksgiving time. We'll probably take some time off then. But uh, we'll yeah, we'll like the key, the people that like the Family Feud podcast with Keely and Shotgun. I don't know if you listen to a coach, but it's pretty good. Um, we'll try to get that done earlier in the week. We'll do like a Facebook Live show earlier in the week because we're not going to do it on Thursday on Thanksgiving. But um, yeah, you know, go do something nice for somebody. Be thankful. Uh, yeah, you're, you're 24 hours to complain about USC's 10-2 season and win over UCLA. Now go do something nice for somebody. That you know, Make the world a better place. That would be nice. <laughs> all right, buddy. Thank you very much. And for all of you out there, thank you for uh, calling in and being a part of our show. Thank you so much, Coach. And thanks, like, you, like Coach said, to everyone for writing in and calling in and texting in. We appreciate that, all the feedback, all the listens, and all the likes on social media. Thanks so much, and we will talk to you next time. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287. 1-800-888-7287. That's 1-800-888-7287. Or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.